Welcome to New City Church. This is Matt Freeman, and we are so thankful you are studying the Word of God with us. Jesus founded New City after our forever home, the New Jerusalem from Revelation 21. He wrote our mission statement to foster, strengthen, and grow an unashamed bride looking for Jesus' return. Let's lean completely on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach us all things from 1 John 2.27. God is so eager to teach you the depth of his word. Enjoy the study. Okay. How many of you have been with us in the last couple weeks? Okay. If you haven't been, I would encourage you to go back. Uh, Don't want you guys to be lost, but we have been talking about conflict um, and also just kind of a reminder, uh, and, and Roger, thank you for the reminder, uh, we don't have notes. Um, if he would hear, be here more often, then he would know this because I've made this announcement every time. <laughs> but <laughs> um, So I don't have notes, so I encourage you to take notes, all right? Not that something that I would say would be worthy of writing down, but you're certainly free to do so, Okay. All right, so we'll just do a a little uh, recap of the last couple weeks. So as you know, um, the first week was biblical examples of conflict. And I had put down, you know, 14 different examples, you know, God and Satan, God and man, uh, Jesus and Peter, Paul and Peter, um, uh, the, the conflict with Barnabas, right? And sometimes I think as Christians, we think, man, I, I just, we shouldn't be in conflict as a Christian. But that's actually not the case. When you look at things biblically, there was a lot of conflict in the Bible. And we've talked about this, we unpacked this in the very first week, that when you're living for a standard uh, for Christ and you plant your flag for Christ, the world will hate you you will have lots of opportunity for conflict, I promise you. Um, So, uh, but that's okay, because in the Bible, he comforts us and tells us that the world will hate us, and we have all of the peace in Christ, right? He gives us peace within the storm. He won't necessarily take the storm away, but he will give you peace uh, in the midst of the storm. Amen? Okay, so we talked about in the first week that there's a lot of conflict in the Bible, and then the second week, last week, uh, and that's kind of when I do a reminder here, we talked about the very first thing that we need to do when we're looking at conflict resolution is we have to be constituted with Christ. Well, how do we get constituted with Christ? By being in his word. We have to be in his word. It is the thing that Matt says every Sunday. It's the thing that I say when I speak. It's the thing that I tell tell the youth every Wednesday. We have to be in the word. Why? Because it is our weapon. It is the thing that changes us as the Holy Spirit is living in us, regenerating our human spirit. And as that is happening, literally spreads into all of the faculties of our being. And we live out Christ organically, which is what Paul meant when he said, for me to live is Christ. I thought, I've always thought that was very interesting because he didn't say that I live like Christ. He said, for me to live is Christ. Now, he's not saying that he's part of the deity, that he's not part of the Godhead because he is living Christ out. He's saying that he is literally living out Christ because the Holy Spirit leading him, directing him, guiding him, and that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. I've mentioned this before, but if you took the dog nature out of the cat and you put that into the dog, what would the dog do? It'd meow like a cat. If you took the, the dog nature out of the, out of the dog and put it into the cat, you wouldn't have to tell the cat to bark. It would because it has the dog nature. Everybody with me? So what's interesting is that at the fall of humanity, we were injected with Satan's nature. That is why we are born into a sinful world and we have a sinful flesh, which I would make the argument that that is the biggest spiritual warfare that we are in is battling our flesh. The way to do that and overcome that is with the word of God. You can't do it any other way. We try to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit. We try to do the things with our list of action steps to be a better husband, be a better father, be a better brother, be a better whatever, fill in the blank. But oftentimes we fail at that 
because we're trying to do it on our own strength. We're trying to do that because we believe that maybe we can change something in our mind. That's the soul. The soul is governed by our spirit, and if you're not born again, it's governed by the flesh. I don't want a soul that is governed by the flesh. Do you? We want to have, we need to have all of the, the faculties of our body um, living out Christ as we are being changed and our spirit is being regenerated. So what's exciting is that as we are in the word of God and Christ is changing us, burning away all the things that don't belong, creating us or making us in the likeness of his image and in the sanctification process, we're gaining Christ's nature. So as we gain Christ's nature, you shouldn't have to tell me to go down to the soup kitchen. I've never been to the soup kitchen, so maybe you should tell me, but I'm just saying, you don't have to tell people how to do things, how to be a better husband, how to be a better friend, or whatever it is, because you gain Christ's nature, and so you live out Christ. That's what it's all about. And, I, and I, I talked about this last time is that I hear a lot of times it's like, oh, the, here's all the action steps and what you need to do. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. There is. The example I used last time is if, if there's somebody that's beating their wife, you don't just wait and say, well, I'm in the sanctification process. Eventually, God will change me. But when I get there, just kind of let me do my own thing. It's like, no, stop doing it, right? You have to stop doing it. But... You can't manufacture that fruit along the way as you're in the word. God will change you because that is the only thing that is sustaining. And we reject the word just in our daily lives. And that's how we grieve the Holy Spirit. Because we look over there and we see the Bible unopened and we're doing, watching sports or doing whatever it is. That, and there's nothing wrong with sports, okay? All the guys were like, I hate you. <laughs> So there's nothing wrong with sports. I'm just saying, if you're putting sports or anything in place of the word of God, then that's grieving the Holy Spirit. We have to make him a priority. We have no hope if we can't be changed from the inside out. And so this is what we had talked about last time. It, it's, a, it's symbolic to, uh, you know, that our body now is the, is the temple. And so... Uh, I don't have time to unpack this uh, as I have, in, ha, have ha, done in previous weeks, but we have the soul, which is made up of our mind, emotion, and our will. We have our spirit, which also has three parts, which is our conscience, fellowship, and intuition. The heart is the link between the two, which is the represent, uh, representation of the veil. Conscience is actually part of the heart, and the soul, the mind, emotion, and will is all of the parts of the heart. That is the link between the spirit and the soul. That's how we are changed. This is uh, unpacked with all of the Bible verses to talk about that in one of my previous messages, I think a year ago or something like that. But you can look at it there and, talk, uh, and, and have the link there. But the reason I went over that again and talked about it is because when we're dealing with conflict, we cannot, if, if we can't be constituted with Christ and we aren't living him out and being in the word every single day, then what we talk about conflict doesn't even matter. Conflict resolution from a biblical perspective, it doesn't even matter if we're not in the word of God every single day being transformed. And I would say that nothing else matters. Anything that we would talk about, it doesn't matter unless we're in the word of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Thank you for that one hand raise. I see that hand. <laughs> I don't know what comes over me sometimes. Okay, so um, so what we're going to pick up, so this today we're going to talk about more in the, in the Word um, about what the Bible says about conflict, and there have been a lot of people that have come up and asked me or told me about a situation and how to handle that situation, and we will get there, I promise you. We will get there. That'll be the fourth week. We're going to talk, to, talk about the practical application. Um, I know I just said that I'm against action steps, but I have some <laughs> in that last message. But So we were talking about in Ephesians, contextually, we have to put off the old man and put on the new man. And he lists in Ephesians different characteristics of the new man. Well, again, how do we become a new man? 
Yes, by being saved, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says the old is gone, the new has come. But in the sanctification process, the new man, by putting on the new man, is us being constituted with Christ every single day, being in the word of God. Amen? Okay. So where we're going to pick up today, conflict without resolution. Um, <clears throat> is that where we're picking up today? Check my notes. Um, yes, that's where we're picking up today. <laughs> Just took me a minute to, Aaron knew what was going on. Thanks, buddy. All right. So, um, okay. So some, sometimes conflict has to do with style preferences or personalities. Uh, we'll get into that. But conflict without resolution is the antithesis of Scripture as outlined in Scripture. There are two places in Scripture how you deal with conflict where sin is involved. Um, I made a grave error. Uh, let's bow our heads and actually pray before we get into the Word, shall we? Lord, uh, we love you. We thank you once again for who you are, um, for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would disturb us. I pray that we would not be comfortable. For comfort is an enemy and a tactic of the world system, distracting us, keeping us from growing and knowing you more. So I pray that each one of us today would be disturbed, that we would run towards you, that that disturbance would cause us to desire more of you. And if we don't have the desire to be in your word, I pray that we would start with a prayer that, Lord, you would fill us and give us with a desire for more of you to be in your word. So, Lord, thank you for your word today as we dive in. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would seed it, that you would uh, allow that word to, to land on good soil, that we would not be distracted uh, by the things of this world or the enemy, but we would live you out. Lord, teach us what that means and what that looks like as we live out today and every other day uh, the rest of this week. In your name we pray, amen. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, there are two places in Scripture how you deal with conflict where sin is involved. Uh, that's the first one, where sin is involved. So there are times when despite all efforts to reconcile, various issues prevent us from resolving uh, conflict in the church. There are two places in the New Testament that clearly and unambiguously address conflict resolution where sin is involved. Matthew 18, 15. <clears throat> Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Verse 16, but if he will not hear you, take with, with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. It's, it's kind of harsh. It's not harsh. It's God, God's word. Don't be so offended. Luke 17, 3, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Wow. If your brother sins, rebuke him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Luke 17, 4, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So we obviously, that's the easy one to spot, right? When there is sin, confront your brother or sister, talk to them about the sin. Now, we don't have time to unpack the various ways, rebuking what that looks like, uh, unpacking that. That is not a license for you to go up to somebody and just be like, bro, stop, you know, or whatever. Uh, obviously, be in the word. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you, direct you, um, and so that that fruit of the Spirit can be lived out organically. But um, that's what I would say there. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes... Oh, an essential part of conflict resolution is forgiveness. We talked about that a little bit last week. Um, any kind of disciplinary procedure should always have restoration of the sinning person as the ultimate goal, right? It's to, it's to gain them. It's not to remember that rebuke is not condemnation for those, you know, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So uh, I, I would really love to unpack that, but, but we can't for today. 
Um, so the purpose is to gain them, not to make them never show up at church again. Okay? All right. <clears throat> Sometimes conflict has to do with style preferences or personality clashes more so than it has to do with sin per se. And in such cases, we do well to check our own motives and remember to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value of others above yourselves. Isn't that hard sometimes? I mean, I don't know about you, but in times of conflict, how do you not let self get in? If you could let me know, I would love that. Thanks. No, I'm teasing. But it is difficult. We have to be constituted with Christ. That's how we live out Christ, and that's why that's such a foundational point when we're talking about dealing with conflict. So not out of selfish ambition, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Philippians 2.3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Esteem others better than yourself. Philippians 2.4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We've got looking down our own, uh, you know, looking out for our own interests. We have that down, right? We need to do better at looking out for others. And again, um, you certainly can try in your mind, but uh, that's not long-lasting fruit, right? Because the first time that I know for me, it's like, okay, I'm thinking about on Sunday, I'm going to be, I'm going to be better towards this person. I'm going to be better, and Monday I'm doing well, and then Tuesday I'm doing well, and Wednesday I failed, <laughs> right? Does that anybody? Does that happen to anybody? So that's why, again, that we have to be constituted with Christ and being in the Word every single day. We should always engage in discussion and do our best to work it out. Come to a mutual agreement. And I know, because lots of you already said this to me, is, okay, yeah, we get that, but how? And again, we will get to that. Um, I have had this question a lot. I do want to kind of veer off the notes just for a second. Uh, I had a a person come to me uh, a couple weeks ago. He's talking about a situation that I think, if memory serves me right, it was either his uncle or cousin or something like that. But um, he was talking about how this individual believes in abortion, says he's a Christian, and then the individual I was speaking to obviously doesn't believe in abortion. And so they were talking, and obviously a lot of the divide has come out of 2020, but he was talking to this individual, and he's, he's kind of... Um, these are my words, not his, but he kind of shied away from having con- uh, conversations with him because he doesn't know necessarily where to go in the conversation. Can anybody relate to that? Okay. So th- what I told him, and again, we'll get into this in the, in the fourth week, but what I told him was this. <clears throat> it is okay to say, I don't know. In fact, preferred if you don't know. Okay. It is okay to say, I don't know. And this is what I had, I had told him that maybe a, a good way to handle this. And I said, you know, in my early years, I know some of you probably can't even see what I'm talking about, but I have had the opportunity of having lots of conflict with people, <laughs> been in conversations with people, and so you know, even, even in Bible school days, I mean, it was constantly debating, you know, somebody thought something and, you know, it's like, it just, and I felt great if I could win the conversation. God forgave me, <laughs> you know, I've moved on and grown in the Lord since then, but, well, I'm not going to go off on that, um, but what I will say is that that was a training ground for me. I did learn a lot of what not to do, okay? So I can, I'm really good at that. I can tell you for sure what not to do. But so uh, what, I was, what I was saying to him is, you know, and something that I had done in the past was I would tell somebody, I would say, you know, that's a good question, and I'm not sure I know the answer to that. With your permission, could I go back and study that, and then we can continue this conversation at a later time? Would that be okay? And I, I will tell you that there hasn't been one time where somebody got mad at that and didn't give me the opportunity to go back and talk to that individual. Now, we've got some work to do, right? We've got to go back and actually study it, and we've got to have conversation. And I know a lot of people would let that go. But guys, 
this is, we are losing an opportunity for us to have conversations to bring the unity of the faith so that we're all running towards one goal in Christ. And if we can't have these tough conversations, then what are we doing for the kingdom? Then if we're not doing something strong for the kingdom, then, man, so right now if you're feeling like you're not attacked, what are you doing for the kingdom? Because you're not a threat to the enemy. We have to be able to have these conversations for the sole purpose of, I mean, Jesus was the ultimate example. He literally left his world, left everything that he knew to enter into ours so that he then could bring us back into his. What if we thought like that? I mean, I know it's radical, but what if we left our position, our selfish, our selfish ambition, we put others before ourselves, we left our world, entered into someone else's world just so for the purpose of bringing them back into ours? What if we did life like that? And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But we're not having conversations to have a bunch of dead bodies in our wake. We're having tough conversations so that we can reconcile and have unity of the faith because if we have unity, we are a massive threat to, the, for, to Satan's kingdom. A massive threat. That's why he creates disunity and he wants to break every single thing that God creates. Okay? What if we did life like that? We left our world and entered into theirs. <clears throat> so, as I said, Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves, and let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So we should always engage in these conversations. Here's another example of conflict that I didn't put on the original list, but Philippians 4, 2, I implore Udia and I implore Sintich. Sintich, I don't care about it. You can call it whatever you want, but I'm, this is how I'm pronouncing it while I'm here. And uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion. Now, there's some debate on who the true companion is, but, um, but I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. See, there's a disagreement between Udia and Syntech, and Paul is saying, listen, people around, do everything, get them back together. We have to have the unity in the faith. And here's another example of conflict in the scriptures. <clears throat> so these are instructions. I implore Udia and I implore Syntech to be of the same mind in the Lord. So I did some study on this, and, and Yudia and Syntyche, apparently these two women were the source of some, uh, some quarrel in the church, and instead of taking sides or trying to solve their problem, Paul simply told them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Be of the same mind in the Lord. To be of the same mind in the Lord. Whatever the dis dispute was about, Yodia and Syntyche had forgotten that they have a greater common ground in Jesus Christ. They forgot that everything else was less important than that common ground. <clears throat> Sometimes we get so caught up in our feelings. We talked about that last week. We cannot be led by our feelings. Feelings, God gave us feelings, but submitted to the Holy Spirit can be fantastic, and God wants us to experience those emotions. But emotions not governed by the Holy Spirit will lead you astray. You cannot trust your emotions. The heart is deceitful, Jeremiah says. You cannot trust emotions. You can't be led by emotions. And so when people are like, oh, I don't feel like, well, I don't care what you feel like. Like what Ben Shapiro says, right? Facts don't care about your feelings. Uh-oh, I mentioned somebody political. Maybe you know now, now know where I stand, just in case you didn't already. Uh, I urge you also, true companion, 
Whoever this was, Paul instructed, instructed them to help these women who labored with me in the gospel. The true companion was supposed to help these women to reconcile and come to one mind in the Lord. Remember we talked about this last week. Woe to you who, don't have, who doesn't have someone when you're down to pull you up. We have to. Listen, here's the cycle. Satan causes a wedge. There's conflict. Through, through desensitization over time, we get further and further away. We look back and we go, how did we get over? We were over there. How did we get here? That's what happens, right? It's over time. Because if the enemy came as what, as what picture books and everything describe Satan as in the, in the red suit and the pitchfork and the horns, we would be able to spot him, right? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he comes as an angel of light. demons act as agents of righteousness, meaning that it's hard. And the only way you're going to be able to spot it is through the discernment of the Holy Spirit, being in the word every single day, getting constituted with Christ, living him out. See, there's a theme here, right? I I, I think I told you about the story. I was having lunch with a buddy of mine who's going through a hard time and we were at lunch and he was like, man, this. And I was like, just get in the word. And he was like, okay, yeah, I I get that. But then, but but this, and I was like, okay, be in the word. He's like, okay, I understand, but be in the word. And then he said something else, and then he goes, I know, I know, be in the word. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you're getting it. We've got to be in the word. We have to be in the word, the biggest spiritual battle, battling against our flesh. We have to be in the word, and we have to have a unity of faith. And Satan will try to disrupt and dismantle the unity of the believers in Christ so that we we can be ineffective for God's kingdom. That's the whole purpose of what Satan is trying to do. And so, people are plugged in, plugged in at Bible study, plugged in at church, something's going on, Satan tries to take them out, and they kind of, they veer off, and they're like, how did I get here, how did I get here? But then they're alone, they're isolated, and then Satan takes them out. I always know where people are going when fellowship is broken. Always. I've never been surprised. I always can tell you, fellowship is broken where people are going to end up. I don't want that. I don't desire that. But that's what happens. Because we have a very, don't underestimate the devil. Now, praise God, he is way more powerful than the enemy and he's already defeated. But in the sanctification process, we definitely are in a war, right? Amen? Okay, so we have to be aware of these things. So Paul here is urging, true companion, help get these two back together. We can't have disunity. Who knows what will happen, but let's, let's fix this, right? I like what Roger says. He, he says often, he's like, conflict, conflict is good. It is. Conflict helps us. It disturbs us, and it helps push us together to, in Christ. Iron sharpening iron, right? That's not a comfortable process. I promise you. If you're my friend, I don't want you to be comfortable. And I hope I disturb you. (laughs) And you disturb me. (laughs) So, these women who labored with me in the gospel is a very telling phrase. These two women, Yodia and Syntek, were faithful workers with Paul in the work of the gospel. Yet, they had a falling out with with each other. They had a falling out with each other. And Paul knew that this unfortunate dispute needed to be cleared up. See, a lot of people think that, okay, if I'm just in the Lord and I'm just constituted with the Lord, that I'm not going to have a conflict with somebody. That's not true. Satan was in God's presence and then decided to rebel. He was in the presence of the Father and yet he caused a war. We have to speak up. We have to fight for it. We can't just, just kind of go around ho-hum. And I will tell you, being in America, we've lived with comfort. We've lived with these, uh, this is the stuff that drives me absolutely nuts, even in my own life. And I talk to my friends about this often. We live in Edmond, Oklahoma. And if you're in America, we're already quote-unquote privileged than compared to the rest of the world. 
But in Edmond, Oklahoma, we have our good jobs, we have our nice homes and our nice cars and all these things. You can't tell me that that can't be a distraction from the Lord. Because it is. Am I saying those things are bad? No, I'm not saying those things are bad, but they absolutely can be a distraction. Now, when I veer off my notes, Matt gets a little nervous, and he always tells me not to yell, okay? But I'm just going to tell you, I'm not yelling because I'm upset, and I'm not looking, even though I make a lot of eye contact with Roger, I'm not mad at Roger, okay? (laughs) Stop sweating, buddy, you okay? (laughs) No. (laughs) That's right, that's right. So I'm just saying that I get passionate. Don't mistake my, my volume For me being angry, it's because I'm passionate because we have to wake up. We have to fight together, not with each other, but we have to have the unity of the faith because we are in the last days. And I was told that a lot growing up in the Christian home, but I'm going to tell you, I believe it more now today than I ever did. We are in the last of the last days. And we think one of the greatest falsehoods is that we have more time. When I was 15 and in school and, and I rebelled and I wasn't living for the Lord, I thought, yeah, I have time. I'll get right with the Lord down the road. That is a lie. You could be gone tomorrow. We have to wake up. He saved us from certain death. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me. Thank you that, you that you're allowing me to come to you every day and have the body that I can rely on, that we can run together with the same goal because we have the same mind like Paul was telling Yudio and Syntec to have. I'm spitting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just saw that spit come out right there. <laughs> it was like slow motion. It was like... <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Humble yourself and strive for peach, peach, peace with each other. Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Let me talk about humility for a second. There's been a lot of conversations I've had with people over the years about grace. Can I just tell you, God, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's why Jesus fought with the Pharisees so often, because there was no humility. But that's why that there were these sinners that would come to Jesus broken, and he would just pour out grace, because he gave grace to the humble, and he resisted the proud. See, it's very easy for us to be action-step-oriented and go, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, they're not, but they're doing this, and I'm not doing this. And it can be very easy to get in that kind of thought process, and it is wrong. I can't tell you how many people that I've seen in leadership, and then things get kind of cranking, and then pride sets in and taken out. We have to be on guard. We have to be on guard. If I'm out of the word for two days, I get nervous. Because I know that I'm not growing in the Lord and my sinful flesh can be powerful. What about yours? We're at war. We're at war. We have to wake up. We have to be in the Word. And I have to be able to call up my friend. I have to be able to call J.E. I have to be able to call Mason, Roger, Brent. If I don't name you, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to run through and name all my friends. But I have to be able to call you and be able to pray with you and be able to get encouragement and also for you to disturb me. I love my friends who don't accept me for who I am. If they do, then they're not my friend anymore. Because the person through at the drive-thru window at McDonald's accepts you for who you are. I don't want that. I want somebody that helps me, sharpens me, helps me grow towards the Lord. I don't want to be who I am today. I want to be better. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better friend. I want, to, I want the Lord to look at me and say, well done, my, well,
and we should seek God's direction. James 1, 5. Are we on the next slide? Did I already read these? Yeah, James 1, 5. Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. See, when we have situations and conflict, we have to be able to go to the Lord. We need to seek direction from the Lord how to deal with that conflict, um, what he would have uh, us do. Sometimes, maybe in that time period as we're seeking direction, that he reveal, reveals something in our own hearts that we need to change as we go in, in conflict, right? We have to seek his direction. It is true that sometimes it is, best, it is best to part ways in recognition that God has different calls on our lives, but we should do our very best to never divide in anger. We should do our very best to never divide in anger. I never spanked my kids when I was angry. Wouldn't do it. Because I just didn't want it to be, I didn't want to be angry. Well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't make decisions to split or do anything if we're angry. Here, here's something. If you have notes, write this down. Never make decisions at low points. Never. Never. You're angry. You're feeling upset. You're looking at somebody in an argument. Maybe you threaten divorce. Don't. But don't make decisions at low points. Not Ever. Your emotions will cause problems and they will lead you astray. So we should do our best to never divide in anger. <clears throat> Conflict resolution is so hard because we're hesitant to place ourselves in uncomfortable situations. Anyone relate to that? Really? There's only a few of you that don't like to put yourselves in uncomfortable situations? Ah, uh, that's a lie. Listen, I, I don't enjoy conflict. I'm just not, a, I'm a, I'm not opposed to it because I, I see the value in it. There is greater intimacy that my wife and I have had in arguments than we never would have had in just conversations. And it was a springboard for further growth that we otherwise wouldn't have had. You've got to change your mindset. Use conflict as a, as a stepping stone. <clears throat> People who do conflict resolution best are often those who don't enjoy confronting others but do it out of obedience to God. If you confront other people, then chances are you're being obedient. <clears throat> if you're in the word every day and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. <clears throat> See, if the matter is relatively minor, it may be that the best thing to do is to practice forbearance and overlook the offense. Right? We're going to talk more about picking up offenses or not picking up offenses later. That's also a choice. <clears throat> whether you decide that you want to be offended or not, okay? I can't wait to talk about that in the future. Some of you are like, when's that? I want to miss that day. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one thing that really annoys me, and I've talked to, I've ta I've talked to I've conversations with Cody about this quite a lot, things that annoy, like, people that talk with their food, like food in their mouth, that's okay if you do it. I'm not like, no, no, well, maybe a little judgment, but I'm just saying, it's like, no, it's people that are, or if you're like, you know, kind of smacking and, you know, like you're, you know, it's like, but at the same time, that's easy to overlook, right? Because I have lots of friends that do it. Okay? Everybody's thinking right now, how do I eat? <laughs> we all could brush up a little bit there. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so, so if it's possible to overlook it, then we should. If the matter is relatively minor, as I said. However, if, if it cannot be overlooked, one must pursue reconciliation. This is such an important issue to God. So here's, here's the thing. I get this question a lot. So you're just saying that every single time, like how many times should we then just go to somebody? and Because we could be having conversations all the time. Yeah, and? 
So what? What, are you afraid to have a conversation with somebody? What's the harm in having a conversation if something is bothering you? You do that enough times, and don't you get to know the heart of the individual that you're talking to and them getting to know your heart? And this is hard for guys, especially, right? We don't like to cry uncle. We don't like to show vulnerability. We don't like to be vulnerable, and we really don't know how to handle other people being vulnerable at times. But we have to. If there's something that's bothering you that can't be overlooked, I like to have everything clear all the time. All the time. It's like, hey, you know, something, whatever, just want to make sure we're cool. He's like, yeah, 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 I know your heart. It's like, okay, cool, because the way I said it was really rude. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's supposed to be funny. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My son Schaefer quotes this uh, movie quote all the time, and he's like, he's like, guy says something to him, and he's like, what? And, and so the guy says it to him again. He's like, what? And he says it to him again. He's like, no, no, I heard you. It was just really mean. <laughs> Funny. Um, so Matthew 5.23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift, right? Reconciliation. Because one of Satan's goals is to divide so the body of Christ is not unified. Stay in fellowship to preserve the unity of the faith. But if fellowship is broken or could be broken, you must seek reconciliation. We need fellowship. So I'll try and get these slides. I told you I would try and do that kind of after all the the weeks were done. But uh, if you're taking notes... um, uh, I don't know, I'm going to go quickly here. But unity of the faith, Bible verses, John 17, 11, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I may come to you, or, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. John 17, 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me, you have loved them as you loved me. Oneness, right? Unity of the faith. Ephesians, oh, no, Romans 15, five and six. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you, you may be of one mind and one mouth glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to a measure of the stature of the fulfillness of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, for as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of the one body, being many, are of one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into what? One body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made, have, have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am, not in the, I am not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where, where, would, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all of one member, where would, bless you, by the way, where would be one where would the body be? Words are hard. Okay. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which think that to, to be less honorable are, are necessary. Oh, no. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor. And our um, unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given great honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if the members suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ's, uh, body of Christ and members individually. See, our function can be different. But we all have unity of the faith, right? We're all one body. Our function 
can be different, right? See, I need someone else who's compassionate because I'm also compassionate. <laughs> Fellowship, Bible verses for your reference. 1 John, uh, or 1 John 1, 3. That which we need see, seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7. I'm going to see where I'm at on my notes. And Okay, got a little bit of time here. <clears throat> um. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, the root word for fellowship is koinonia. It means fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation, the share which one has in anything, participation, intimacy, a gift jointly contributed, and contribution. See, in 1 John, that book was the, the first chapters uh, were designated for fellowship. And you find there that it was actually obedient. It's obedient for us to be in fellowship. If we break fellowship, we're being disobedient to God because we need the unity of the faith. That's how he designed the family. You say, wait a minute, family? Well, you have to realize that, that his desire is family. His desire is family. See, before the creation of the earth, God had a divine family. Now, Satan disrupted that, but God also wanted to have a family with us, humanity. So, created humanity, family. We're to treat older men as fathers, older women as mothers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. God is the father. Jesus is the son. That's all family language. That was his design from the very beginning, family. So what's Satan attacking today? Family. Family. There's so much causing disunity and breaking apart what God put together initially, and that's the family. That's why you guys, you men, you have to lead your families and you have to be at war in your home. Our first job as a, as a, as a man is to know him and then to make him known, and that's first in our family. First Thessalonians 5.11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. See, we come together in the corporate assembly, why? For edification, right? For edification. You're like, well, I don't feel very edified when you speak. <laughs> we're, we're here to be edified together in oneness, Right? Hebrews 10.24, and let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, for not, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Ecclesiastes 4.9.10, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that, that is alone when he falleth, he hath not another to help him up. Woe to the person that doesn't have someone there when he falls. Because the reality is, is that you will fall. The reality is, is that I will fall. I make all kinds of mistakes, all kinds of mistakes. But woe to me if I don't have someone that's there for me when I do fall. What is this? It's fellowship. It's how God designed it. <clears throat> Where are two, oh, Proverbs 2, 7, uh, 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friend. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Acts 2, 42, and then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayer. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Peter 3, 8, finally all of you be one, of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. One, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 1, 12, that is the way that... Uh, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Acts 2, 44 through 47. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple 
breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Praise God. What if we did that? Sold everything? Maybe that'll be my next conversation for you friends. I'm going to call you this week. Hey, what if what would it look like if we sold everything and just started doing like they did in Acts? If you guys don't answer my calls, I'm going to know what's up. <laughs> All right. So picking up offenses. Do not be a person who is easily offended. Do you guys know some people just walking around waiting to just be offended? Like you can't say anything because it's like they're offended about this. They're offended because pff, fill in the blank. People are so offended. What? I would argue that I'm not going to say that. <clears throat> okay. But do not be a person who is easily offended. Le- uh, Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Does not behave, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked, think no evil. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Proverbs 17.9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. First Samuel 24, 5. Now it happened after, afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Verse 6. And he said to this man, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Verse 7. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. See, we see... Oh, I have my notes here. Okay. We see that David's heart didn't store up bitterness and anger towards Saul, even though Saul made David's life completely miserable. David kept taking it to the Lord, and he received the cleansing from the hurt and the bitterness and the anger that the Lord can give. If David had stored up bitterness and anger towards Saul, he probably wouldn't have been able to resist the temptation to kill him at what seemed to be a risk-free opportunity. Look around. Aren't there a lot of people offended? Now everyone is offended for what is said, what's not said. You looked at me, you didn't look at me. Your great, 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 great grandfather did something to me, to my great, great, great grand, grandfather, and so now I'm really upset about it. Give me a break. How can we have any kind of relationship or any kind of unity when you just walk around with offenses all the time? When we're told in the scriptures that we need to overlook those offenses. We're told, we're told to reconcile. The world system tells you to avoid. Let's not have these conversations. Let's not ruffle any, any feathers. Let's not go there. Therefore, keeping us not having things that would sharpen us, growing and being effective for the kingdom. This is at work. It's at work in us today. <clears throat> we have to wake up. And it's, waking, it's making its way in the church. See, I'm supposed to tolerate your sin now. By the way, and I, I think I've talked about this before, but to tolerate something is the fact that I don't approve of what you're doing. That's what tolerate means. If you're taking um, a gift to your niece, I don't tolerate that, right? It's like you're doing something nice. You don't tolerate that. I literally tolerate something because I don't like what you're doing. So I tolerate it. Words are so hijacked today. I don't approve of what you're doing. So now I not only have to accept your sin, but now I have to celebrate it. And if I don't, your offense continues, and I'm the one that's at fault, not you. Right? You see where this is going. We see it today. 
This is so divisive. And it's so, it's so, it's like sin. It's, it's, it's bondage. We have freedom in Christ. Are you kidding me? If, if It's like the standard that I would have to put on myself to not try and say something to anybody, and you too, right? And by the way, didn't Jesus say that even if you have the thought, you still sin? But the, what I would have to put on myself and what you would have to put on yourself to not say something that potentially could ruffle feathers, that would be exhausting. Instead, the Lord gave us a model that if we are offensive to someone or if we have conflict, we get to go talk about it and you get to hear someone's heart behind it, that maybe they didn't mean that comment. Now you tell me which is better. And we've, we've bought it, hook, line, and sinker from the world system which is meant to keep us enslaved in bondage and where we can't grow, we can't have conversations. I can't learn anything from you if I disagree. When did that happen? See, this whole idea that you, nobody say anything that's going to disrupt anyone, no one do anything that's going to offend anyone, but, but then we just live in this utopian society where everybody just gets to sing kumbaya around the campfire and there, nobody is ever upset. Doesn't that sound, that actually sounds kind of nice, right? But it doesn't work. Why? Because we were born into sin. We have Satan's nature, if you're not born again, flowing through our body. It doesn't work. It's like socialism. The idea sounds great. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm already pot committed now. I might as well go on. It's like it, 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 the idea of it, it's like, oh, yeah, we don't have to work. Everybody's taken care of. Everything is great. Yeah, sounds fantastic, except it doesn't work. Just like the world system of anything that's going to distract and take us away from Christ. Why doesn't it work? Because we are all a mess. We are all sinful beings. All of this. We can't live to a certain standard. I couldn't live to the standard. That's why I need Jesus to save me. Right? <clears throat> so, Mason, you can come up. Um, So, guys, there, there is conflict all the time. And I think as Christians, we get so bogged down with the modern-day church and this feel-good Christianity with a few Bible verses sprinkled in that we don't, we're not discipled. We don't know what the Bible says. When I, when I talk to somebody and they, they, they don't understand why abortion is wrong, or they don't understand, Matt, I'm sorry, we probably for sure kicked off YouTube. Um, but when they don't understand certain things, it, that tells me that I'm not mad at that individual. That tells me that they don't understand what the Word of God says. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. See, I'm not upset at people. I am sometimes. Like, I'm still human. <laughs> but we all make mistakes. And just because Mason may be tempted with something that I'm not tempted with, I can't look down on Mason. Because guess what? I've got my, my own sin. But how do we get past it? We have to be able to go to each other and grow. We have to have unity of the fellowship. We have to have unity of the faith. And all of this other stuff in the world system is meant to distract, divide, divide dismantle, and destroy. Because that's what Satan's job is. Is to destroy everything that God creates. If you see something in my life, you absolutely should be able to come to me and go, that wasn't right. 
And if that's you and your brother or your sister comes to you and says, that's not right, maybe you should actually spend a little bit less time getting so offended at how they came and just realize the truth in the matter and the heart behind it. Maybe instead of looking at them, the first thing that we need to do is look at ourselves and go, man, God, put the the microscope on my life. Maybe I'm the one that needs to be before you, Lord. We have to have each other. And we have to fight against all this other stuff that is a distraction to break us down. And I just see it all the time. And you know, one of the, one of the biggest things for me that I, I struggle with, this is, this, is, this is something that I, when I hear the word, I just don't want to be part of the parable that Jesus talks about where the word is talked about and those who hear it, right? And that lands on good soil. Because the other times where the birds come away and eat the seed, I mean, you know the parable. If you don't, look at it. It's a Mark chapter 4, verse 20, I think. Um, but I, I leave, and then I get caught up in the message, or I get caught up in something, or I listen to a podcast, and then sometimes an hour later, like, right back to the daily. I'm like, how has I changed? How did I let that affect me? God, I just realized in that moment that I just became like the parable. The seed was just robbed from my heart and I allowed it. We have to get this. Yeah, we're not going to agree on everything. But we have to be able to have the conversations. Because if we can't have conversations and we're walking around as offended beings, we will never grow and do what all of these Bible verses that we've gone through today, the heart of God. And I just don't want you to leave here today and then... And, and I'll do it too. We'll go have lunch or whatever. And, you know, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, we're fist bumping our friends. and all that. We go. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go on. But just maybe we need to allow ourselves to just be a little bit more disturbed and disrupted. Where the same way, if you're feeling convicted or you're feeling disturbed today, right now, maybe we need to pray that God would continue to have, let us sit in that the rest of the day. Not in condemnation, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we need to sit in condemnation and go, oh, woe is me. No, what I'm saying is maybe we need to allow the Lord to disturb us the rest of the day so that we don't just go out and live our normal lives the way we always have and let his word sit in us, that we actually would hear it. You know, I, I, I looked up the Greek in that, um, uh, in that uh, Bible verse. Um, actually, I might uh, see if I can get this here real quick. But those, this is Mark 4, verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear it, the, hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. The ones that hear it and accept it. Well, when you break this down, <clears throat> here it is what you would think. But accept it, I thought this was interesting. Accepting the, the Greek word is paradoshemai. It's of a son to acknowledge as one's own. See, there's no doubt that my son is my son. Right? And if you have a son or a child and somebody comes to you and said, yeah, that's not your son what would your response be? Okay, yeah, that's my, that's my son. 
you say it with confidence because you've accepted it. It's in you. You're constituted with it. He's my son. And we're to accept the word of God like that. Very interesting. So yeah, I want us to be disturbed today. I want us to hear the word, but accept it. Accept it. Don't just be emotionally moved. Don't let this be a soulish experience. Let this be a spirit-led one where God's tugging on your heart and going, get in the word and spend time with me because I desire you because I love you. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I invite you to know him. I was just talking to somebody this morning. We were looking at the prophecy. Uh, Barb. I was talking to Barb. I love Barb. We're talking about the prophecy, the, the video ahead of time. It's like, man, thank God that this doesn't affect us. How do people get through this life in this world without knowing Jesus? I don't know how. So if you're here and you don't know him, he wants you to know him. And I would, I would encourage you to come and, and, and find one of us after and we'll pray with you. I'm not promising that your life will be easier. It won't. It'll be, hard. It'll be harder because we're persecuted for our faith, especially in a time when the world is falling apart. But this is an eternal matter. It's an eternal matter. Because the life here is but a, just a mist. And we're going to live forever in one place or another. See, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good we try to be, we won't measure up. We need Jesus. We need him to save us. And he's done it. You just have to accept him. So, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. That your word transforms us. And it is not an overnight gratification. It is not an overnight sanctification process. We want so desperately seek you to be instant gratification because that's the world we live in. We want information, we can find it on the web. We want to get food 24-7, we can go to a drive-thru. Whatever we want in this world, this world wants to continue to serve it up on a platter. But the only thing that was instantaneous overnight was that you made me a new creation. And I'm so thankful for that, Lord. But the journey after that is long. And you're changing me gradually as I spend more time with you. Lord, disturb us today that we wouldn't just go out these doors and go on with our normal lives. Yes, enjoy our family. Yes, enjoy. I'm not saying that. just disturb us, that we would not be comfortable, that we would grow in you, Lord. Because you deserve it, Lord. You deserve it all. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.